Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Tamarcus Raglan. I'm excited to be here, and I am joined in the studio today with a very good friend and co-minister, Taryn Mays, here at Citizens Church. Taryn, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Glad to have you here. Um, and as we get started, we also have uh, the honor and pleasure to be um, met here with Pastor Timothy Atik. He is um, a pastor at Watermark Church in Dallas. Um, he has uh, formerly been a part of Breakaway Ministry at um, uh, Texas A&M and mm-hmm. is just, yep, 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 lots of that. Uh, I'm the only oddball here that wasn't, <laughs> wasn't at A&M, so, you know, the Lord just called me to Bible college. Um, right. <laughs> well, but, if you've been to A&M, he basically called us there, too. So. Oh, there yep. it is. Thanks to Breakaway. There it is. There it is. Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us, T.A., After all of that, is there anything else you just want to share outside of kind of the the internet bio you want people to know about yourself? Um, you know what? I, I'm married to Catherine. We've been married 16 and a half, and a half years. She's Praise God. a much better person than I am. She, We laugh a lot together and we're raising three crazy boys. They're 13, 11, and five. And so we've got a really mediocre sports team because my boys have my <laughs> genes. But they're, they're great. And uh, we love being back in Dallas. Uh, we love good food. We are foodies. And nice. uh, I think that's it. Good. I love it. Love it. Well, uh, we have you here today. We've been in a series on our show uh, in just the conversation around wisdom uh, and how that pertains to uh, a number of different topics. And we want to talk today about uh, God's wisdom uh, for sex and his design for it and how we as believers um, can rightly walk in that according to his word. And uh, you have done a large work in that area, uh, particularly even in your um, dissertation. And so uh, we we just want to ask kind of some questions because a lot of times we think about this topic in the context of uh, the church, you know, I'm thinking about this, you know, even myself growing up, um, it can be a little taboo, right? There's a lot of things that maybe we either here at home or a way that we're uh, discipled by peers or by the culture that even as believers growing up in the church, by the time we hit, you know, adulthood, we're kind of looking back and thinking through some of the things that we've learned and end up having to do a lot of unlearning and kind of readjusting to some of those things. And so I guess just as we start to um, touch into that, we want to we want to figure out, like, how can we maybe in the conversation around uh, God's design for sex and what it's for in the church, uh, how can we move the needle a little bit to where we uh, maybe can start to speak about it in a way um, that doesn't uh, require so much of that you know, kind of unlearning to unpack um, later on. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the convictions that I have is, you know, I work with young adults. I've worked with college students, and the reality is, if I if I'm in a room with a hundred college students, and I were to pass a microphone around, and I were to say, "Hey, tell me what 
what God thinks about sex. I think that the majority of the answers would be don'ts and mm -hmm. it. And then if I were to say, okay, what does culture think about sex? It'd be a bunch of do's. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, right. okay, well, which way is better? Mm -hmm. You know, then it's obviously culture wins because mm -hmm. culture's message is, hey, it's great and you should do it mm -hmm. and you should enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And when people think about God's way, it's, well, don't do it mm -hmm. and wait to do it. And mm -hmm. so there's a stigma that's attached um, that that God gets the bad rap for mm -hmm. sex when he's the one who actually invented it, which mm -hmm. is crazy. I mean, I, I think that one of the things that kids growing up is because parents are so fearful that their kids would fall off the, the deep end into sex that they want to ingrain it in their kid's head that, that the way they communicate about it creates fear in kids mm -hmm. and, a, and a negative view yeah. of it, that it's not, it's not good when mm -hmm. it actually is. It's actually a gift from God um, to, to humanity. And so I, th I think that we as, we as followers of Jesus, we need to see it for what it is, that it is a gift from God to his people, that it has been created um, by him to be enjoyed by a husband and a wife. Mm -hmm. And that's why God put Song of Solomon in the scriptures right. to, mm -hmm. he devoted eight chapters in an entire book to how to do it well, mm -hmm. because he, because he loves us. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think that one of the reasons that we have done learn it is because out of fear, we want to make sure that people don't do it. Yeah. And I right. think that I think where we have to start is that no, God invented it. Yeah. It is a gift. Mm -hmm. And he in his kindness to us right. has told us the best way to enjoy that gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good to be able to frame that through the the lens of perfect love casting out fear, that it is God's perfect yes. love towards us to give us what is best. And then uh, in turn, what we actually get to do is we don't have to fear the thing that God has given. Um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting uh, just you know, you have, you've led Breakaway Ministries in College Station for several several years before taking your position over at Watermark and in that time collected your doctorate uh, in writing your dissertation specifically on uh, college-age students pursuing freedom from pornography, which is, you know, so it's interesting to kind of uh, take uh, the view that we have, the biblical understanding, what we have of sex, and then looking at the way that the porn industry and pornography kind of is the antithesis of those things, right? So yeah. what's interesting is culture, like what you said is like culture will say, yes, 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 yes to sex. God's, what we view God as saying, no, 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 no. But then the flip being that, you know, what biblically what we see is that God invites us into this beautiful, unadorned space, right, of true vulnerability mm -hmm. with your – that's one of the things that you write about, this uh, this place where we get to, as man and wife, uh, get to engage in something so um, – uh, so not hidden, so uncovered, yeah. uh, and rightly so. But then what porn does is the opposite of that, right? It hides, it it shrouds itself in secrecy, it uh, asks us to um, be divided, right? Um, and be a divided person to not be truly congruent, um, which I think is just so interesting. So I, I'd love to just hear kind of your perception about like, man, why that topic? I'm sure the students that you were serving through Breakaway had a 
lot to do with that, your own personal story, but talk to us just a little bit about why you chose to do a doctoral dissertation on uh, students' effects of pornography. Yeah, the reason that I did it is it was birthed out of my own story. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, the summer between my eighth grade year and my freshman year in college, or not college, uh, but between junior high and high school, I stumbled upon a magazine in an airport Mm -hmm. and put it in my bag and took it home and didn't realize it. But that one decision led to countless decisions over a seven-year period, Mm -hmm. which really was an intense battle with pornography. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord in his kindness by the power of his gospel um, rescued me Mm -hmm. from that that struggle uh, the summer before my senior year in college. But when I jumped into college ministry, first at Baylor University and then at Texas A&M, I just began to share my story with students about struggling with Mm -hmm. pornography. And uh, I would say the number one topic of conversation that I had with college students was about pornography, Mm -hmm. just because, you know, the, I would say right now the greatest outworking of Genesis 3, which is mm-hmm. the fall in mm-hmm. regards to sexuality, comes in the form of pornography yeah. because it's yeah. the, in terms of, you know, sex was created pre-fall mm-hmm. and it was woven into this beautiful design where a husband and a wife are experiencing, are giving dignity to one another, yeah. they're giving value to one another, they're experiencing um uh intimacy together mm-hmm. uh and it's it's the epitome of flourishing mm-hmm. sex is right there and then genesis 3 what happens adam and eve they redefine what is good mm-hmm. and so that is what the porn industry sure. has been doing is redefining what is good mm-hmm. in regard to to sex and we live in a day and age where every person is carrying around pornography in their pocket. It's mm-hmm. the internet in your pocket mm-hmm. generation. And that's why, you know, one, one writer had said, has said that pornography is possibly the greatest source of immorality mm-hmm. for generation Z. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I wrote on the topic mm-hmm. is number one, it's very personal to me. And then number two, I think it's one of the greatest challenges facing churches today Mm -hmm. because pornography has gone from being like a uh like a strictly man struggle Mm -hmm. of guys looking at playboys Mm -hmm. to it is a people problem where Mm -hmm. statistics would Mm -hmm. say that that a large percentage of both men and women of uh all ages mm-hmm. are struggling with pornography from eight-year-olds all the way up to 80-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I love that you you bring that up too, because me and Tan were actually talking a little earlier just in preparing for this of just the reality of that and how often, uh, especially pornography, can get pinned in this like, you know, if you if it's a, a, a woman's conference, you know, maybe that doesn't hit the, the hit list. But if it's a, a man's conference, then, you know, one of the breakouts is going to, you know, touch on that um, versus the reality that like, man, this is like you say, this is an even spread thing for for both men and women. And and, and part of that, we wonder like uh, and I'm, I'm curious, even as you kind of had conversations and looked, it seems like part of uh, the reason that gets 
pin there is if we just look on the the surface and maybe just lump all of uh pornographic use or even just sexual morality under the the chase uh chase of lust mm-hmm. um and that there's and it seems like man there's actually a lot of other kind of uh roots to the thing to the to the issue that drive people um to these things that that isn't just always as simple as that um and so kind of a two part question one could you maybe touch on that a little bit of like the mixed motivations that can be tucked underneath that um and how that maybe even could help somebody who's trying to identify you know who's struggling and then secondly how those things become a distortion of what god's actual good good design for what sex is for um actually hopes to accomplish yeah so you know if you just live at the surface level you know god is god has wired us with sexual desire like that's actually a part of god's Mm -hmm. design and there's a natural expression of it and there's an unnatural expression of it and so a lot of times people just stay on the surface it's you know what i'm a i'm a i am a young adult male like what else do you expect and they just you know when i was growing up the the joke was 98% of guys struggle with pornography and the other 2% are lying. Like that's what I <laughs> right. heard growing up. Mm-hmm. And the thought is, well, you're just, you have hormones, of course you're going to struggle with it. But, you know, as I did research and as I, as I just looked even at my own story, it, in reality, porn use, um, it's always the, the expression or it is the it is a poor remedy for a deeper issue. So in my own personal life, what I realized is that I have deep insecurities that manifested itself in questions like, am I significant? Mm-hmm. Am I desirable? Mm-hmm. Am I lovable? Mm-hmm. And I would look to a fantasy world to mm-hmm. answer those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember reading um reading a book by Brene Brown, um, where she just where she talked to people about pornography. And one of the reasons that men would turn to pornography is just because of a fear of rejection, that there was an insecurity in them. You step into a fantasy world and you're never rejected. Mm -hmm. You're always desirable. You're Mm -hmm. always Mm -hmm. significant. Mm -hmm. And there's no one ever tells you no. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the reality is that we are highly uh, relational beings. Like we have been made to relate to one another, but when anytime you experience rejection in life, anytime, you know, you have parents who tell you that you're not pretty enough or Mm -hmm. you're not good enough, Mm -hmm. like all of those things Mm -hmm. can be internalized Mm -hmm. in such a way that we all have insecurities Mm -hmm. and, uh, pornography becomes a poor remedy Mm -hmm to those insecurities mm-hmm. when when the greatest remedy remedy is Jesus that mm-hmm. that the gospel is the answer to mm-hmm. all of the deepest questions of our souls mm-hmm. and yet uh yet pornography that we look to it and it's a counterfeit an- answer mm-hmm. yeah. for what we're looking for yeah. And we talked a little bit too about uh, the way that, you know, so if we're looking kind of at those surface level identifiers mm-hmm. and then actually trying to kind of get up underneath those, uh, I think, you know, on its surface, again, it's like maybe for men that is like, oh, it's lust, it's lust, it's lust. So we're going to put it in this category, sex, lust, pornography, you know, and we just 
hold it over here. And it's like there's this whole other kind of piece that pornography introduces, uh, which, again, like to the point of self-gratification, really has so much to do with control. So there's there's this desire to be in control, to be – and maybe even in self-gratification, that kind of selfish pursuit, the flattery that you were even mentioning. But, you know, the way that I've uh, seen it play out itself out, particularly with women in the church, has – had so much more to do with I am stressed, I'm anxious, I have, I don't know what to, you know, that kind of shaking, frenetic feeling. And so yep. there's no outlet for me. And this is uh, this is an outlet to experience physical relief from, right. uh, from this chaotic state in my body. Mm-hmm. So I want it to feel better. And this is a way for that to feel better, which is the, again, the antithesis of God's design. It is a, uh, it's replaced Placing the gospel of Christ with a different gospel, you know, its platforms, all of That's those exactly things. Right. So, I, I, I'm interested to kind of hear, you know, again as we as we talked about, I'm I'm assuming probably a lot of your conversation was happening with men and women, as you mentioned, and so kind of your maybe your experience in talking with women uh, in the church around the issue of pornography. Yeah. So what's interesting is when I was at Breakaway. Um, I made a decision that I was actually going to do a two-week series on pornography. Mm -hmm, Like I was going to devote a series to pornography. And the reason that I did that is that um, I gathered a group of college students as kind of a focus group. And Mm -hmm. I just asked them, I said, hey, what are topics that you would like for me to discuss at Breakaway? And there was a room of probably 10 or 11 students, both both male and female, two girls mm-hmm. and one guy said pornography, which I was so surprised at that it sure. was it was more girls than guys yeah. asking. And then once I started the series, I was then on campus the next day after I started it, and I was standing in a semicircle with students, guys and girls, and both guys and girls were saying, Thank you so much for doing this series, which was so interesting that they were in a way acknowledging in front of one another, hey, this is a struggle for Mm -hmm. me. So I really appreciate you talking about it. I think specifically for, for women, there's so much more shame attached to Mm -hmm. it than there is for guys. Because even when I first addressed it at Breakaway, you know, I have women in the crowd who are like, thank you so much for talking about this. And then I have women in the crowd saying, who would struggle with that? Mm-hmm. You know, and so there is that, that it it's easy. It's more acceptable for guys than ever to be like, yeah, I struggle with mm-hmm. porn. It's almost like, I assumed you did. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. But for a girl to mm-hmm. say, yeah, I struggle with pornography, mm-hmm. there. It feels like a much greater risk mm-hmm. because there's still so many people who just believe that it's a that it's a guy problem. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. With, but what's interesting is if you look at culture, one part of you know right now culture's anthem is equality. Mm-hmm. That's the anthem mm-hmm. of culture, and so in order for in our culture, in order for women to experience equality, then they need to be granted complete sexual freedom in order mm-hmm. for women to be viewed as equal to men, then they 
they need to be empowered to experience complete sexual freedom. And so there's been this push by culture that pornography is not just okay, it is a good thing, and it is a part of women being able to explore the the fullness of their being. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the church kind of has to catch up, that culture is like, women, Mm -hmm. you should be doing this because Mm -hmm. this is your right, and this is a part of your freedom. Mm -hmm. So when women come into the church and they still feel like, nobody's going to understand that this is a struggle. That's where there's a massive Mm -hmm. gap. So one of the reasons I wrote my dissertation is just to kind of call the church to say like, look, this is, we have to, if people can't come into the church and feel seen and safe, where else are they going to go? Right. Yeah. When, as as you're kind of thinking about like, what are ways that the church does better or even get started. You know, I'm thinking of listeners in our yeah. church who are members, maybe pastors, ministers, who it's like, what is, you know, I, I know a part of your dissertation was creating kind of that curriculum. And so there's like a, there's strategy underneath that. So could you maybe talk us through like, what are ways that the church could actually engage well? What is strategically, yeah. what it would, would that look like for, for church? Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think number one, is for pastors to educate themselves on the reality of pornography now, that it is not, you know, pornography, if you look at the porn industry, it's evolved mm-hmm. from from just sight, like still images, to then uh, moving images, like movies. And now it's moved from sight to sight and sound to now sight, sound, and touch mm-hmm. through haptic technology. Yeah. And if if pastors don't open their eyes and see mm-hmm. that a porn industry is trying to replace sex and reality, mm-hmm. like it's a, it's an, it's such a big issue that, you know, I know pastor friends who pornography was not a struggle for them in their past. So because it wasn't a struggle for them, they struggled to place a value in an urgency mm-hmm. on it for their people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think a few things that pastors can do is number one, just educate themselves. Like where is the state of the porn industry mm-hmm. and where's the state of my people? Like I would just assume the worst of your people. Don't assume the best, assume the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and number two, I think the tendency is to feel like you're scratching the itch in the room by simply mentioning pornography. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about sexual immorality, pornography is just, one of the sins that you list when you're also talking about adultery and you're Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, various things. And I would say, I would, I would encourage churches because I believe that pornography is a greater source of immorality than probably any other form of sexual sin. Um, I would devote entire messages just to pornography Mm. like to because when you do that what you're saying is look that is that is your way of saying like this is how important this is Mm -hmm. and this is i see this is how big of an issue it is Mm. and when you do that you know what people will come out of the woodworks Mm -hmm. because what you're doing is you're saying Mm -hmm. this is how important this is and then i would platform people who will openly Mm -hmm. share about their their struggles so if a pastor has a porn issue or had a porn mm-hmm. issue, I think that he should share it mm-hmm. freely mm-hmm. with his people. Mm-hmm. 
um, and put people on the stage who have experienced victory, but can share it both male men and women, because what that does is it creates a safe space. Yeah. But highly encourage churches to have recovery ministries, whether it's regeneration or celebrate recovery or something else, just to have safe places where people can come and be known. Mm. Yeah, it's good. I I love even just in talking about that. What I'm hearing. Um, right. You talk so much of how part of what uh, pornography does in your dissertation is it it, it um, encourages isolation and secrecy. And so much of what it sounds like the movement towards um, addressing it is completely countering that uh, actually being outspoken, bringing it to the light, um, bringing it before um, others in the church, uh, sharing our stories so that others feel um, the freedom and empowerment to uh, to come out of the darkness, right? It's really it's really drawing what's being done alone in the darkness into the light. So accountability plays a huge part in that, right? Having having a community of people who can um, who can help and we can lean on in those times when we're struggling. Uh, what what role do you see uh, accountability playing? And maybe just kind of like paint that out. Like, is it as is it as simple as like having somebody that whenever I like fall, I like shoot a text message and I'm like, hey, this happened or um, somebody who has a, you know, a code to something. What what does a, a kind of robust accountability look like uh, for somebody who's who's struggling? Yeah. So when I when I look at scripture, one of my favorite passages just on the role we play in each other's lives is Ecclesiastes 4, where it's this picture of two people on a journey. And so, you know, you see them like one falls into a pit and it's like, man, it's so nice if you've got someone with you, because if you fall in a pit, they can pull you out. But that's right. a big problem if you're on your own or if you if you guys are both cold, you can you can warm up together. Mm -hmm. But if you're by yourself, you're going to stay cold. And so it's a beautiful picture of like we're all on a journey. There's going to be times in life where we fall and we need people in our lives who are committed to helping lift us up. Mm -hmm. And God uses his people to kind of lift up his people. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, what I would encourage is a couple things. Number one, in my own journey with pornography, I had to come to a place where I, the question I like to ask people is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to be done with porn? Like whatever mm -hmm. it takes, like, is there anything that I could mention that you would say, ah, that's too inconvenient. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not willing to do that. And if people say, no, I will do whatever it takes. And I would say, great. Then the best thing is for you to have a couple people in your life who are committed to, to you pursuing victory. Because the pursuit of victory, it requires attention to the head, to the heart, into I say your hands to to your behavior. So when I say the head, it's just that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so you don't just need people who you can contact once you've screwed up. You need people who on a daily basis hmm. are yeah. calling you and saying, hey, I just wanted to I wanted to read First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three over you. Mm -hmm. I wanted to call you and just read you first Corinthians chapter six, verse 18. I mm -hmm. want to call I wanted to just remind you of truth every single day. I wanted, and then you have people who care about the heart to say, hey man, 
Um, how are you doing with your longing to feel significance today? How are you doing with, you know, um, that insecurity of feeling desirable? Are you taking that to Jesus? When I when I think about accountability, I'm I'm th- I'm talking about enlisting a couple people who are saying, "Yep, I'm committed to being involved in your life on a daily basis," mm-hmm. and and it's reciprocal that you would be involved in my life on yeah. a daily basis, which means. We have daily touch points, mm-hmm. whether it's through a phone call or text message, where we're reminding each other the truth. We're praying for one another. Um, because the reality is when you have that consistent accountability and exposure to the truth, you just you don't have the freedom to go and screw up. I know when I was stepping out of porn, um, I was at college and going home to my parents' home. That's where my... Mm-hmm. struggle with pornography really blossomed. Mm-hmm. So when I was driving home to Dallas, I called a bunch of friends. I said, look, I'm going to be back at my parents' house. I need you calling me every hour. Mm-hmm. So I had these guys calling me every hour. There was no way I was going to go look at porn because it's only an hour until another right. guy calls. Me. <laughs> and so when you have that type of investment, mm-hmm. yeah. you you feel like you, it. I think that it, it breaks the power of yeah, the sin. That's right. Mm. I love that because the you are heralding the good gift of the family of God. Yes, and that's right. I, Brothers I, and sisters, yeah. In Christ and what that means for us. And I love, you know, part of you write in your work, uh, I'll, I'm going to quote you to you, but um, <laughs> as, as God himself is a community, individuals can also fulfill the purpose for which they have been created within the context of intimate community. And that pornography is an affront to God's intention for humanity because it prizes isolation. You go on to say prizes instant gratification and selfish pursuit and flattery and all those things. But so talk to us about what that you give us an example there of kind of true intimacy. But I'm thinking for, you know, those who are inside a marriage, right, who who have uh, the access point to be able to have sex in a God glorifying way, but then also single brothers and sisters, right, and how we're called to be a community to one another. So just talk to it. Maybe tell me just a little bit of what, what that true intimacy can kind of look like and then how the Christian community can play roles in one another's lives in that way. Yeah. I mean, that that's part of the, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus saved us from our sin mm-hmm. and he also saved us into mm-hmm. a family, mm-hmm. you know, which is, that's why I like this this spiritual individualism that is mm-hmm. like raging in our country, it makes no sense. Yes. It's, yep. it's such a distortion of the gospel that we have been saved into a family. And you, if you think about healthy brothers and sisters, like if you think about a healthy family, you are very involved in people's lives, which right. means you celebrate their victories yeah. and you care deeply about right. their, their weaknesses and, Part of the lie that people believe, and I know this this might feel like a tangent from your question. It's really not. Part of the lie that people believe is it, when you're single is, well, when I get married, right. nope, I'm not right. going to struggle anymore. Right. And I just say that's such a lie because the the reason we struggle with porn is that we have bought into the lie that God is really not that good. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we form these these grooves in our lives that were like the way that I deal Mm -hmm. with my insecurities and my insufficiencies and my temptations, 
Is that just run to pornography? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that it is not surprising that when people get married, they yeah. get a few months in and then they relapse. Right. So I, I tell you that to say for anyone listening who's single, marriage is not the answer. That's right. Nope. It doesn't fix your problem. It actually makes your problem worse because when you struggle with porn in marriage, it it causes all sorts of issues in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And for the single person that is listening, I would just say that the beauty of the family of God is, you know, when I th- I'm bouncing all over the place, but when I think about God's design for marriage in Genesis chapter two, what you see is is it says that the man and his wife were naked. Mm-hmm. And unashamed that I, the idea there is that they were fully known and fully loved. Mm -hmm. They had nothing to hide. And you don't have to wait until marriage to experience that. Mm -hmm. Like that is the beauty of the family of God, that even if you never get married, Mm -hmm. that the church should be a place where you can be fully known, meaning you don't hide any percent of your life, that you expose the darkest places Mm -hmm. of your life. And people don't run from you. Mm-hmm. Instead, they lean into you. They care about you. They can speak the gospel into the yeah. deepest insecurities, yes. the deepest longings mm-hmm. of your life. And you can experience that relational mm-hmm. intimacy in one form in the context of community with your brothers or your sisters. So good. Yeah. So Man, good. I, I, for one, so glad... Um, Everything you just said, yes and amen, uh, first off. Two, just as a brother who, um, you know, porn had a particular uh, hold on my life for a period of time. And uh, to the, I, I, I remember being the one thinking like, oh, yeah, like you get married. And then like once you get married, it, you know, all of the struggles all go away. Um, and even um, one of the things that I think this is oftentimes missed uh, in like the, the effects of it as well is, one of the things that I found myself having to work through is um, for so long. Also, I just wanted um, freedom from like the act of, you know, clicking the button, so to speak. And over time, um, it was, you know, like you said, a co- probably a couple years into our marriage, I started to realize even though um, I had experienced um, freedom from uh, the, the clicking the button, so to speak, that there was. Um, I had been discipled in how to treat and respect my wife by the way that I had been, um, you know, the years that I spent using pornography, um, that there was a there was a sense of just instant gratification, um, frustration that would that would come out of me that was just so ugly and undeserving of her. Um, and I um, yeah, I mean, even as I've like counseled with um couples um you know moving towards marriage and just in their in their past being aware of this that there is a um there is a kind of um just christian virtues of of love and temperance of grace right that your spouse is uh is a person with dignity and um an agency that uh there's there's a way that um yeah like i said pornography um it, it disciples us to see people as instruments to be used. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the aware, like the awareness of that and the ability to, um, I think, you know, as we, so much of what we've talked about is casting this bigger vision of what God's intention for sex were um, uh, and are, um, casting a bigger uh, 
a vision of the issue of pornography, right? That the roots are, are deeper than just um, kind of, you know, I want I want this kind of pleasure that there's there's this kind of deep discipleship. There's these deep longings that we're trying to fulfill. Um, and then likewise, that the 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 solution that we're after is more than just um, this kind of behavior modification, but like we're seeking for God to change our hearts mm-hmm. and our minds um, yeah. and to uh, cleanse us and make us new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'd be curious um, if you, um, to, to the person listening who is, uh, who is struggling and feels like, cause I remember having times just feeling like, man, I, this is just going to, I'm never going to be able to mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. doing this like this is uh like t- to the person who just needs uh encouragement and maybe a a vision of 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 what can be like what would you what would you say to that that person yeah i would say to the person who is who is currently uh looking at pornography i'll talk to the person who's looking at pornography and the person that has stopped the behavior but is still just wanting to take further steps in their journey of purity. And just to be clear, I'm still on a journey. Absolutely. So I, I'm not speaking as someone who has it all figured out. And um, and so I'm still on a journey myself. But to the person who is who is currently entrenched in pornography and you've lost hope, I would just say um, you've believed a lie. that, uh, And I just want to encourage you that there is good news and the gospel is powerful enough even for your struggle. And the reason I can say that is that, you know what, if you know Jesus and the spirit of God lives in you, Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you by the power of the spirit. And so the same power that raised Christ from the dead is actually living in you so the the power is there. It's really just a matter of figuring out how for that power to for you to start experiencing it. So I just want to give you hope. It's not you're not powerless. Hmm. The power is there because the spirit's in you. Amen. It's now it's a question of how do you get filled with the spirit and how do you walk in accountable relationships that is going to cause the that who is that's going to call you to more greater greater surrender to the spirit. So I just want to tell you that that there is hope, mm-hmm. okay? Um but it might mean you you taking steps that you've never taken before. That's what I would say to that person and I would say that if you feel hopeless then it might be time that you you go to a recovery ministry or mm-hmm. or see a professional counselor like i would just i would sit in community with people who you can just say i feel hopeless but i know there's hope what's my next mm-hmm. step and allow yeah. wisdom and an abundance of counselors to help you take a step and then for the person that has successfully managed the behavior you know what i've what I experienced was that once I got rid of the behavior, my my tendency was to continue to pornify reality. Mm-hmm. So basically, porn taught me how to see reality. So I wasn't scrolling on a screen, but I'm mm-hmm. scrolling 
at the beach or scrolling at the gym or scrolling wherever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it's there's this tendency to pornify your marriage, to bring the practices that you learn in porn into your marriage. Mm-hmm. And I would just say that it's the first place is just to realize that that's happening, is yeah. that that uh, porn has sunken its roots into our mind in such a way that like it's it's hijacked the way that we see the world mm-hmm. and that that's the first place is just to recognize that that is happening mm-hmm. and to call that out yeah mm-hmm. in your own mind like when you're when you're in marriage and it you're like i want this now mm-hmm. because i want it and and my spouse isn't giving it to me so i'm it's just to call that out and be like that that's informed by porn mm-hmm. that's not informed Mm-hmm. by the lord yeah you know so i just want to call that out jesus what what do you want to say to me about that what what does it look like for you to speak into that and to not feel shame but to just acknowledge it mm-hmm. and to say god i want i want more mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know porn has taught us to strip people of their dignity so what does it look like to proactively mm-hmm. give people their dignity yes. back to mm-hmm. to to see people, hey, that's my sister in Christ. That is, that is not an object. That's not a, that's not a person in a pornographic film. That is not just a character in my fantasy world. That's my sister in Christ. Or that, mm-hmm. that's a person who desperately needs the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's a person desperately in need of Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. it's just we we have to think strategically about how we proactively give people their dignity, and then you know we we have to identify the things that are are causing us to revert back to a different operating system so there's just shows that i cannot watch Mm -hmm. there's certain places i just cannot go Mm -hmm. and it's it's not because i'm afraid i'm going to start looking at porn again it's because when i go to those places i just know that it just that dopamine like those grooves in my brain they're they're those pathways are still there Mm -hmm. yeah and so i would just say don't lose hope Mm -hmm. um but don't just acquiesce mm-hmm. and, and take a step. Mm-hmm. Know the truth. Memorize mm-hmm. scripture. Expose those thoughts to, to community. Mm-hmm. Um, and proactively think about how you can give people their dignity back. So yeah. good. So wise. So so helpful. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you, thank you so, so much. much for that. Um, man, there's just so much to glean from our conversation um, this this afternoon. Just starting off realizing that all of us are being discipled in how we understand and think about sex in some way, whether it's been at home or in community or just the culture around us, um, and knowing that the Bible has something to say about it, that God is the originator of it, that he has created it with this beautiful design. Um, and part of what um, what the culture and specifically uh, what what uh, pornography does and all sexual immorality does is it distorts the beautiful design that God has made. It makes us um, uh, doubtful of him. It distances us from our creator and the intimacy that we uh, are made to have with him. It distances us and isolates us from one another um, in stripping of dignity and of uh, putting us in isolation due to shame and guilt. Um, But there is an opportunity for us, uh, as you said, in the gospel because of Jesus and what he's accomplished on our behalf, um, that he is he's taken our shame, that he's 
taking our guilt, that he has taken the punishment and the wrath that was due us um, and united us back to our Heavenly Father, giving us the opportunity to be reconciled to one another, to instead of, as you just beautifully described at the end, rather than being those who strip people of their dignity, but actively give people their dignity. Um, rather that's as a single within the family of God and the community that God has put us in, or as a husband or wife within a, a marital relationship, all of us um, uh, need a good biblical uh, sexual ethic um, and and have an opportunity to glorify God uh, with our bodies in the way that we treat one another. And so, so grateful for uh, for you and your time and just the wisdom, uh, both in your your written work, your mm-hmm. practice work, and your your time with us here today. Mm-hmm. I'm honored, grateful for you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode is produced by Chelsea Conway with editing and support from The Good Podcast Company. If you're a regular follower of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can message us on social and check the show notes for more information on how to best connect with us and our visitors. See you next time.